All right, so uh, we uh, started the service uh, in essence with the, uh, the story, a little bit of the story of the wise men or the magi visiting, uh, coming to see the baby Jesus. What a great story, isn't it? I mean, think about that story. It's got some really sweet stuff in it. Uh, uh, first of all, wise men, right? I mean, you know, I mean, everybody wants to be a wise guy, right? Um, I'm one, so play one on TV. No, uh, anyway, I mean, wise guy, I mean, kings, right? This, this, this oriental kind of feeling, this, these men from the east that are coming that have heard about this Jesus, right? I mean, they're not Israelites, right? They're not Jews. They didn't, I mean, they had no reason to be worried about this or coming to worship, but they had heard about it. They had read the Holy Scriptures, and they knew that a new king had been born. Wow, isn't that crazy? I mean, it just kind of ignites your mind a little bit. Like, wow, this is a big deal, right? This wasn't just some small, you know, kind of, you know, just average birth, right? You know, you get to the, the birth part, you know, and it's in this, you know, manger kind of scene and all this kind of stuff. You kind of go, oh, that not, wasn't really much going on there, but so much stuff going around it, you just go, no, 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 this is a big deal. Uh, it didn't happen with a lot of glitz and glamour in the sense of the world's perspective, but when you see these different characters get are involved in this story, you just go, wow, God was doing something. But these guys were even brought to the location of the baby through a star. Think about that. Again, miraculous event going on here, right? I mean, think about it. Even God's creation, right? All of creation is celebrating the birth of this child, this newborn king, amen? I mean, this is amazing. This isn't, you know, I mean, these guys know it's supposed to be somewhere, you know, in this Israelite Jewish world, but they don't know exactly where, and so they follow this star that shows up. Amazing. And then the gifts that they bring. Gold frankincense, myrrh. These are gifts for a king, right? I mean, these are gifts that are meant for a king to, to bless him and his family and to care for them and to anoint him. Now, a lot of messages have been given on the, the three gifts that the wise men brought. But uh, this morning, I want to zero in on just the, the last one in the list, myrrh. For our message today it is of particular interest because of what myrrh was, uh, you know, how it was used. First of all, myrrh was one of those products that was used even in the temple as an anointing oil for the sacrifice. Interesting, right? Anointing oil as a sacrifice. Jesus foreshadowing, right, the, the future sacrifice that Jesus was going to give, that he was indeed that future sacrifice. But more than that, myrrh was also used as an embalming uh, tool, right, a way to embalm those who had died after death, right? I mean, this is another foreshadowing of, again, not only this anointing of the sacrifice, but also the recognition that this king was going to eventually die for his people, for the world. But finally, and of particular interest of, in our message today of enjoying Jesus, our healer, myrrh was also had, also had medicinal purposes as well as an oil that you could put on externally, but also was sometimes ingested. It was a medicine. 
to help to bring about healing. And once again, foreshadowing that this king, this newborn king, would bring healing to the world. One of the four of the fourfold gospel that I introduced last week as an Alliance Church, this fourfold gospel perspective, one of the four is that Christ is our healer. Christ is our healer. In the Alliance tradition, this is a pretty big deal. Uh, not that it's such a big deal that we have you know, faith healers or that kind of thing, but healers, healing in the perspective that this is a real a, a, a gift and blessing that we as Christians should expect. That healing is part of the salvation experience. A.B. Simpson, the founder of the Alliance, had a pretty dramatic and miraculous healing himself. Physical healing. That allowed him to continue for many more years in ministry. But it's interesting to note, again, back to this myrrh perspective, the embalming aspects and nature of myrrh, but also the medicinal aspects of myrrh kind of come together in this because it was, as we read in Isaiah 53, 1 to 6, it was through Jesus' death that we are healed. So let's turn and read that passage, Isaiah, familiar passage, I'm sure, to most, if not all of you, Isaiah 53, verses 1 to 6. Who has believed what he has heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of the dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. Again, this is talking about Jesus, prophecy about Jesus. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows. And acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. <laughs> See, it is through the reality that this perfect sacrifice, this man who lived the perfect life, freely surrendered his life on the cross, that because he was perfect and willingly sacrificed, and gave his life as a ransom, we now, as those who believe in him, get the hope of eternal healing. Salvation is indeed part of the healing experience. When we come to salvation, we come to Jesus, we come asking for and expecting healing. 
This is part of the gospel message, is that we are stuck in these you know, dry bones, these, the, this hard heart that we need to be healed, that we need our sin to be flushed away. We need to be made into a new creation. We need to have our relationship restored with God. We need all of these things. We, we, we are a mess. We are sick. We are falling apart. We are dying, and we need to be saved from all of those things. We need to be healed, and this is the request that we come to Jesus with. When we bow our knee to Jesus as Lord, we are asking for and expecting healing. And there's three aspects of this healing that we expect. First of all, it's spiritual. Our sinfulness, right? Our rebellion against God. We need to be healed of that sinfulness. 1 John 1, 9, if we are faithful, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We need to be cleansed of all of that unrighteousness. We need that. We are looking for that. And this is part of the salvation process is that confession of sin, which brings that healing. That in a moment, that moment when we bow our knee to Jesus as Lord, that we are immediately cleansed, made pure and perfect. The second aspect of healing is in relationship. Obviously, uh, the key relationship is between us and our Father, right? Heavenly Father. God, we, we want to have that reconciled. We want that relationship restored. We want it healed. We have broken that relationship through our own sin, our own rejection and rebellion of him. And so when we come to salvation, we are looking for that to be restored, and it is. First, or 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18. Right? You know, that we are going to have, a, we're becoming a new creation. The old is gone and new has come. The Holy Spirit enters us and there's oneness. But in or, a part of that is the reconciliation between us and God. And once again, that relationship is healed. We are able to enjoy once again that relationship perfectly. And then the final aspect of healing, of course, is the physical as well. And there's an internal and an external uh, healing that we expect. That God will heal our emotions. That God will heal our bodies. That he will make them whole. And that they would be operating and functioning more fully in the way that they were meant to. James 5, 14 to 16 talk about this important piece. That when you are sick, you're to go to the elders and ask them to pray for you. And that they would anoint you with oil. And that they would pray for you. And the prayer of a faithful servant is strong and powerful. And there would be healing that would come. And so there's an expectation that actually at the moment of salvation, the moment we bow our knee to Jesus as Lord, our physical bodies are fully renewed. We have the full healing that we need. Now, of course, we keep sinning, right? After salvation, we still struggle with the sinful nature. Of course, relationships with God and with others continue to be a struggle for us, and we are challenged by that, and sometimes we ignore God, sometimes we turn our back on God, sometimes we still continue to rebel against God, and so that relationship still seems to be in tension. And then our physical bodies, of course, they still break down, and they get old, and you know, you can't say names anymore, and you can't do anything, right? I mean, all these things, you can't sleep. I couldn't sleep last night for whatever reason. I don't know. I'm just 50, I guess, right? Is that 
that what it is? You know, anyway, so you have all of these physical realities as well that are, you're still struggling. And so, wait a second. I got healed of all these things. You know, I got healed spiritually. I got healed relationally. I got healed physically. So what's going on? And this is the tension that we as Christians live in, this now but not yet, that we have all of that healing, but we're not yet fully enjoying all of that healing. The reality is, is that there's this temporal nature to some of this healing that we experience. Consider the thorn in the flesh of Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. Where he's got this, we don't know for sure what this thorn in the flesh is, if it was a, a physical thing or a spiritual thing. We don't know, but either way, he was wanting healing from this. He wants this removed, and yet he's still wrestling with this. Even, even Paul in Romans chapter se- uh, yeah, 7, I think it is, he's where he's wrestling with sin. I do the things that I don't want to do, and the things that I want to do, I don't do, right? And so there's this constant struggle, and the, he's living in that now, but not yet. I've been healed, but I'm not fully experiencing that. And so we recognize that our experience of healing may not be fully enjoyed this side of eternity. Even look at Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. If there's any way, he prays to his Father, this cup might be removed. If there's any way that I could maybe avoid having to go through death, right? I mean, have, have, we, have we prayed that prayer? Maybe some of us have, right? Maybe you're on death's door, or maybe you're sick and you're not feeling well and you just don't know where this is going, and so you begin to pray that prayer. Is there any way that I can stick around for a few more years? Is there any way? Yet Jesus, of course, prayer is not my will, but yours, Father. A recognition that Jesus isn't going to experience all of that healing until he gets to eternity and that it's up to his Father. You see, the great, great hope, the grape, <laughs> that's good, the great hope for us as Christians is eternity, not living forever. So often we put our hope in healing that we get to experience today. Again, it's not that we shouldn't ask. It's not that we shouldn't seek it. It's not that God doesn't oftentimes deliver and and answer that prayer. But is that where our hope is? I'm reminded, I think it's King Hezekiah who asked. He was on his deathbed and and, and uh, was it Isaiah? What was the prophet? Is that the, is that Isaiah comes to him, and, and he's like, oh, I don't want to die, and he's weeping, and is there any way, please let me live a little bit longer, right? And Isaiah walks away and says, no, you're, you're, you're done, it's over. And then Isaiah, God, God calls him to come back and says, no, all right, we're going to give you 15 more years. Right? But where's our hope? And it was unfortunate for Hezekiah because the next 15 years he, he, he did some pretty ugly things. Where's our hope? Is it in continuing to live here or is it in that eternity that we're looking for? And so we have this this healing that we are granted access to as a result of salvation. And salvation comes through faith. And isn't it interesting that our Advent, Advent theme this week 
is the advent of faith. But what is faith? This question has been asked, I think, many times, and maybe there's a lot of good answers, but the answer that I have kind of fallen into many years ago now and continue to come back to is as follows. Faith is, first of all, it's belief. We used to, you know, kind of tell people, you just got to believe in Jesus and then you'll be saved, right? That's what Scripture teaches, right? Just believe, right? And so, unfortunately for our culture, believe means something different than it did 2,000 years ago. Because we have a culture right now that allows for this dichotomy between what we believe and how we live. In ancient times, that wasn't there. I mean, if you believed something, that means you lived according to that belief. However, today, that's just not the reality that we have. We can believe all kinds of things, but that doesn't mean we're gonna, just going to change the way that we live. And so faith, if we're going to understand it in a biblical perspective, is certainly belief. Belief that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died, that he rose, and that he's going to return someday. But it's more than just belief. It's also trust. And trust is like, you know, when it comes to Jesus, it's putting all your eggs in one basket. If we really believe that Jesus is who he says he is, then that means we need to trust him with our whole life. We need to not have like, you know, kind of a backup plan. Well, you know, if this Jesus thing doesn't work out, you know, I've always got, you know, I can fall back on, you know, maybe this other belief or this other idea. No, no. If we're going to believe Jesus is Lord, then we got to act and live and trust that Jesus is Lord. We got to put our whole life into his hands to trust him, to sell out for him, to say, okay, this is the way. This is the only way. This is what it is. He is the reason. He is, he is what's all it's about. That's what I got to keep my eyes focused on him. I got to follow him. I got to see where he goes, right? So it's a trust as well. So belief and trust. And then, of course, trust is only trust when it's seen in action. In other words, it's not just a word again. It's not just a belief. It's not it's just a mind thought. It's not just a word of trust saying, I trust him. It's actually an action. Trust is revealed through our obedience and our daily living for Jesus. This is faith. All three of them combined together. This is what I think the biblical perspective of faith meant, or belief meant, and faith meant. This is what they meant when they said to believe in the name of Jesus. Belief, trust, and action. So that's what our faith is. That's what faith is. But who is our faith in? And this is the most important piece because the strength of our faith is not dependent on us. It's dependent on the one we place our faith in. And the one that we place our faith in is the faithful one who will never leave or forsake us. No one will pluck us out of his father's hand. This is huge to understand that he is worthy of our faith because he is faithful, perfectly faithful. Even though maybe we struggle sometimes to be faithful to him, he is always faithful to us. So the role of faith, of course, in this whole healing thing is that faith is how we are saved. That's our avenue to salvation. And that avenue of salvation then, of course, leads to healing. Healing is offered to those 
<laughs> this is careful now, right? Okay. Healing is offered to those who have faith. <laughs> faith in Jesus as Lord. Healing is offered to those who have faith in Jesus as Lord. Trusting him for our salvation and healing, because that is where healing comes from. Like I just mentioned, right, that healing is the moment we bow our knee to Jesus as Lord. The moment that we place our faith in him for our whole life, we are healed. So healing comes from salvation. Salvation comes from faith. So healing is for those who have faith in Jesus as Lord. Understand that it's not about the quality of our faith. That we get to enjoy that healing. It is about the one who is faithful. It's not a negotiation. If I just, you know, really show faith now, if I really believe this time, if I really trust you this time, then you'll heal me, right? No, no, no. Our healing has already been purchased for us. And we've got to enjoy that the moment we bow our knee to Jesus. Now, certainly there is healing for those who are not Christians. We see that, right, outside of the church. People who are unbelievers, they experience healing of relationships. They experience maybe even healing of, of their you know, character, right? I mean, they can, they can develop and mature and become a better person. Uh, they see healing physically as well. But understand that that kind of healing is similar to like a computer virus. You know, if you have your computer and it gets a virus on it, right, you know, it doesn't matter if you, you know, just download some more apps onto it or if you add some more programs into it, right? It, it's not going to, you know, that doesn't fix the virus, right? It, it, it's still there, and the new apps and the new programs you downloaded, soon they're going to be corrupted as well. It, it also doesn't change if you're like, okay, well, you know, it's just going to take the motherboard out of this computer, and I'm going to buy a whole new computer and then put this motherboard into that whole thing. It looks brand new, nice new computer now, but it still has a virus in it, right? And this is similar. that There's a seed of destruction in all of us that is only healed and removed when we bow our knee to Jesus as Lord. And so although the world, the non-believer, can experience healing, it's a healing that's temporary. It's a a healing that's fading because they have a destructive seed that's still inside them that is destroying all that new stuff that happens. It's those with faith in Jesus who will be healed spiritually, spiritually, relationally, and physically. And interestingly as well, to bring in the third aspect of our Advent series, faith is developed as we learn to rely on God. You see, healing is the reason, first of all, that we can even enjoy the relationship. This is, this is some of the theology behind our, uh, our vision statement. 
fully enjoying a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not something we have to strive for. It's not something we have to obtain. We already have that healed relationship with Jesus. It's just about us enjoying it. Right? And so this is some of that theology. The moment we bow our knee to Jesus, that relationship is healed. It's perfect. We're able to enjoy it, but we may not fully enjoy it until we get to eternity. And so we don't have to strive for that healing because it's already happened. But the second and third and fourth line of our vision statement continue. So there's the, the primary, the, the slogan, if you will, more fully enjoying our relationship with Jesus Christ. But the next line is that we are going to be those who rely on the power of the Holy Spirit, God's word, and prayer. It is through increasing our reliance on God that our faith is developed and we're able to enjoy more fully this healing that we have received. Three key words or three key tools within this particular part of our vision statement. Power of the Holy Spirit, God's word, and prayer. We'll start with God's word. His word and his voice are something that we need to learn to listen to and discern and expect that God is speaking. It's amazing to me how many Christians have spent their lives not expecting that God would ever speak to them. Now, we're not talking about necessarily audible voices, okay? God doesn't do that very often. I think he still does it on occasion. I've heard a couple of people give testimony to it. So we're not talking about audible voices, that's pretty rare still, but all Christians should expect that God is going to be speaking to them throughout their life. The moment they become a Christian, they're in relationship. Relationship demands communication. And so communication is happening. John 1, 1 to 3, we see that Jesus is the Word. And then if you jump to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, the Word is alive and active. Do you get the parallel there? This is what Hebrews 4, 12 is talking about. It's alive and active because the Word is not just words on a paper. It's a person. And He is communicating interacting with his children, loving on us, caring for us, speaking to us. And he speaks to us through his words on the paper, certainly. But he also speaks in so many other ways, through circumstances, through our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, through people who don't know Christ, through all kinds of things, I mean, through thoughts in our minds, through times of prayer. He, he speaks Constantly and always, I believe that we only lack the ability to hear all the words that he's speaking. It's, you know, we, we, we think too little of God's communication. And so right here in our vision statement, we're saying we need to, de to develop that reliance on God in order to enjoy more fully this healed relationship that we have. In order to do that is need to listen and expect that he's speaking Second word or second part that I'll zero in is the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. Once we are listening, not always, but often, Jesus directs us. He tells us how to live. He tells us what to do. He tells us how to obey because sometimes, well, not a lot of times there's a gray area out there. So what, is it, what are you supposed to do? How are you supposed to live? 
And so he calls us to, to lifestyles. He calls us to live for him. He calls us to follow him. But here's the key in this aspect, is that are we willing to trust that he will empower us to do those things that he calls us to? You see, so often when we do hear God's voice, or if we do hear God's voice, he calls us out of our comfort zones and out of our, our strengths, and we go, no, 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 I can't do that, God. Imagine if the Israelites and Joshua were to say, ah, I can't do that, God. Would they have ever entered the promised land? Would Jericho's walls ever have fallen? Imagine if Moses, and he tried, said, no, God, I can't do that, and chose not to go back to Egypt. There had been no plagues. There had been no release of his people, right? I mean, maybe he would have made another way, certainly. But do you understand? It was outside of their comfort zones. Joshua was like, dude, I can't lead these people. Moses was like, I can't speak even. I mean, I don't even know what to do with this, God. Do you, you don't got the right guy. Trust me. They don't want me. I don't want to go there. This is not going to work. You see, we need to trust that not only is he speaking to us, but when he's speaking to us, that he will empower us to do the things that he calls us to. His call is not for us to tell him what we can and cannot do. His call is always just to follow him. And then finally, the word prayer at the end of this uh, sub-line in our vision statement. And prayer is really about submitting to God's sovereignty. You know, so often we go to prayer with the expectation that we're going to change God, forgetting that there's verses out there that say that God does not change. <laughs> hey, what do we do with that? Prayer is not about us changing God, it's about God changing us and the way that he changes us through our submission in prayer to his sovereignty. You know, just the fact, the very fact of getting on your knees and praying before Jesus says, hey, I can't do it, and I trust that you can. I trust that you're in charge. And so prayer is an important aspect. If your life is not filled with some practice of prayer, you have to question whether or not you really surrendered to Jesus, whether or not you really think he's sovereign, whether or not you really think you're, you're whether or not you really are dependent on him, which is where we should be. But it's also prayer is going to him and, and, and trusting in his goodness, that he's a good God, that he loves us that we bring our requests to him and we trust that he loves us and he's gonna do good with those things, right? That whether he gives them to us or not, that he's always got our best in mind. So when we develop this relying on God, it allows us to more fully enjoy the healing that we have received. And as we enjoy that healing, it also allows us to enjoy more fully the perfect relationship we have with Jesus. All right, worship team, why don't you come up? Just a couple of concluding thoughts to give you before I step down from this message.
the reasons for the season. To summarize, in essence, this message, the celebrate, we celebrate the birth of our Savior and Lord, amen? This is what Advent is all about. This is we spend four Sundays in a Christmas Eve service to celebrate this, and it's fitting that we do so. It's all focused on celebrating the reality that Jesus, our Savior and Lord, came to earth, as Laura read earlier in Philippians chapter 2, humbled himself and was born as a man, lived among us, and then humbled himself again and died on a cross. So we celebrate the birth of our Savior and Lord, and this celebration of the birth of our Savior and Lord foreshadows his death and resurrection. Even in the gifts as we've seen with the wise men, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The sacrifice, the anointing oil for the sacrifice, the embalming oil for the death of Jesus, the healing oil for the healing that we all receive as a result. So celebrating the birth of our Savior and Lord, which foreshadows his death and resurrection and opens the door for our healing, igniting our hearts with faith and increasing our reliance on his goodness so we can more fully enjoy our relationship with Jesus Christ. Church, have you experienced... God's healing. Have you? Spiritually, relationally, physically, one of those areas, all of those areas. Reflect on that healing this week. Allow yourself some time to remember, to once again enjoy that healing power and healing touch. But also, church, another area of reflection. What evidence is there in your life that you are trusting Jesus? Are you living it out? Faith is not just some mental assent to what is true. Faith has to be about trust and trust has to be about obedience. All right, church, let's stand. Laura's got a song or two for us to sing in response, and I'll come back and close with another passage. Heavenly Father, we will definitely sing of your goodness. Thank you for your amazing goodness to us in so many ways. Lord, we receive so much more than we deserve. Lord, we receive so much sweet healing from you. Lord, we struggle with sin still, but we know and we trust that that sin will no longer keep us from eternity because you've healed that sin of seed of destruction in us. Lord, our relationship with you and with others continue to struggle in this world, but we, we trust and hope that that will not remain for eternity, but then when we get to eternity, those relationships will fully be enjoyed as they currently are. And Lord, we thank you for healed bodies as well. 
that although we all go through this aging process of our bodies breaking down, we are hopeful and trust that eternity will turn all that around and we'll get to fully enjoy this fully healed and perfect body that you've given us. Lord, thank you for being our healer. Thank you for loving us. And Lord, I, I want to call on you to bring healing to one of our brothers in Christ this morning. Just uh, heard that Carrie Erickson had a fall and a bit of a concussion is on his way to the hospital. So Lord, we just pray right now that you would give him, he, that you would heal his body even right now, Lord. Lord, if it be your will, that it will be done miraculously in a second, in a moment, even as these words are spoken. And that those around would be suddenly shocked by what they see. And that they would be able to give praise and glory to your name. Perhaps they don't even know who you are yet. Maybe they don't understand how this works. But Lord, healing is always about your glory, not ours. And so Lord, we ask that you would do this for your will, for your glory. But Lord, we do trust that your will is best. And so perhaps the healing process will be a little bit longer and whatever that is, Lord, we trust that you will bring healing to Carrie's body in this life or the next. So Lord, we just thank you for him. We thank you for what he means to his family and to our church. And we just lay him at your feet for you to love on and care for him in, the, in this moment. And Lord, we thank you for your word that communicates such great truths about you, who you are. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and following. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And a couple of more verses. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your soul. In Jesus' name. <laughs> Amen and hallelujah and God bless. Merry Christmas.